Hear ye, hear ye, Doable Discipleship listeners, we have a special announcement for you. If you've been listening to the last few episodes of the show, you've already heard us talk about this, but we want to remind you that we get a special event, the first ever Doable Discipleship live event at Saddleback Church, Lake Forest. I'm just going to let that yes. let that heavenly chorus just sit. Um, yeah, August 14th, 7 to 9 p.m. in the Lake Forest Campus Refinery Theater. Um, we're going to be having a, a, a great talk from and conversation with uh, a new friend of ours named Todd Miles, who wrote a book called Superheroes Can't Save You. He is a uh, professor and an author from Western Seminary up in Portland, Oregon. He's flying down for this special event, and he's going to be talking to us about some some ancient misconceptions about Jesus that Christians have often have often accidentally in many cases, come to believe. And you may think, no, I have a clear picture of who Jesus is. I read my Bible. I know. I I want to challenge you on that. There are some things that you believe about Jesus that are not true, and you need to figure out what those are. And uh, this fun picture terms, like Batman and Ant-Man. Yeah, Todd uh, has written this book, and he's going to be giving this talk in the same vein. And he's done an incredible job <clears throat> of basically taking what are called Christian heresies. These are these are false uh, beliefs about Jesus, and he helps us understand those false beliefs and those misconceptions through the lens of superhero lore. So we'll talk about Superman and Batman and Ant-Man, things like that. And he does a really, really great job of helping you get your head around what would otherwise be complex uh, theology with a lot of big words. He just brings it right down to the ground level. And I learned when reading his book that there were some things that I was, there were even some beliefs that I was harboring about Jesus that simply were not true. And you need to figure out what things you're believing that aren't true about him. If you want to have a tight relationship with Jesus, you got to know him as he truly is. So show up to this event. There are a couple ways you can do it. You can register and show up live to our in-person event. You can come sit in the Refinery Theater and join us. We'd love to see you. We'd love, love, love to see you. Jason and I will be hosting it. Uh, You can also, if you don't live in a realistic driving distance to Lake Forest or for whatever reason you can't make it, you can also stream the event live. If you go to saddleback.com slash doable live. This is a new updated website. So if you heard us in the weeks before, use this new website. Yes. The old URL will take you to the registration page, but this Saddleback.com slash doable live URL will take you to the page where the live stream will be streaming and it will give you a link to register for the in-person event if you'd rather do it that way. All at one place. And the Saddleback Lake Forest um, social media team will also be streaming this thing live as a Facebook live event too. So you can also check it out on Facebook. You can comment with questions and your questions on Facebook might even make it into the actual discussion that we have when we collect questions for Todd during our Q&A interview section. Uh, during the second half of the event. Anyway, it's going to be a great, great night. It's going to help you deepen your understanding of Jesus. It's going to help you improve your walk with him. Uh, and it's just going to expand your mind and help you f- kind of weed out some inaccurate thoughts that you've got about your Savior. So don't miss out on that. And it's also our first uh, doable live event. So this is kind of a landmark thing for us. You Come know, and help us out. And cheer. Yeah. Or at least it, it, a tepid clap would be enough. Hey, I would, yeah, I would just even just take a, a warm body just sitting there. You yep. don't even have to we'll clap. We'll take it. Eyes closed, even. That's all right. Just glad to have you. Anyway, that is it. We hope you'll join us on August 14th from 7 to 9 p.m. for this special Superheroes Can't Save You Doable Discipleship Live event. Please enjoy this episode.
All right, and after that uh, fine tune, we are back with our guest today, uh, Rob Jacobs. You know him, you love him. And uh, Doug, do you want to tell us what we are doing here? <laughs> yes. Way to set up Doug up. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say the slogan anymore. So. Say it with me, folks. You might already know it by now, but this is a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, but we like to call it the, the show, show that helps, that you, helps grow. you grow and put down your phone. Boom. Rob, you usurper. I jumped in. That was rude. Rob, was we're glad to have you. up, ready to go. Yeah. I'm glad you stayed in your lane. Um, mm. We're excited to talk to you, Rob. It's been uh, it's been a few weeks since you were on the show. You were here with us for the uh, Bill and Ken episodes, which yes. everything I, I think of Bill and Ken, and my mind goes to Bill and Ted, and I just think of their excellent adventure. Whenever I think of those two episodes, we and did. And you know what? Those were an excellent adventure. Those were. And a bogus journey. We will not be talking <laughs> about Socrates today. <laughs> no, we won't. Uh, we are, in fact, though, talking about a topic that I think is going to be really interesting and a lot of fun to discuss. Um, it's going to be a two-parter. We're talking about Digitally Distracted Disciples, which is, if you like that title, is Rob's idea, so give him all the credit, and also all the scorn if you don't like it for any reason. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, let's talk. Rob, you've been doing a lot of thinking on this, and um, you've read some books on this, and you're going to talk to us a little bit about technology and the impact it has on our on our discipleship journey. Yeah, one of the one of the books that I've read recently um, is a book by Tony Ranke um, called 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. And he does a pretty good job of talking about um, just how um, the iPhone or phones in general and the, and the digital distractedness that comes from those um, impacts just our walk um, as believers and... Um, and so I thought it'd be interesting for us to kind of dive into that. That that it's a great book. We recommend it'll be in the show notes. But um, we're just going to kind of look at one chapter today, the first one. And he does a great job of kind of walking through the first part of being the theology of technology. But I think it's the the at the outset it's important to say that we're not talking about technology being a bad thing. Yeah. Um, obviously, the show is based on that. You know, you're listening to the show on your phone or stop what you're doing right yeah. now. <laughs> so, but we are talking about. Um, what happens through the distraction that technology enables. It's recognizing it, yeah. yeah. It's calling it out. Uh, a Christian ethicist, Oliver O'Donovan, O'Donovan, said this. I thought it was interesting. He said, the danger they face, of course, is that tools set the agenda. A tool of communication is a tool for communicating something. Media doesn't just lie around passively waiting for us to come along, find them useful for some project we have in mind. They tell us what to do, and more significantly, what to want to do. I thought that was powerful, mm. what to want to do. There is a current in the stream, and if we don't know how to swim, we'll, we shall be carried by it. In other words, you know, we, we, can, we can be passive about these things. Mm. I see someone doing something, and I want to do it. Then I forget whatever it is I thought I wanted to do. Um, so this distractedness that can take away from the intentionality of of our of our lives, but certainly the intentionality of trying to become um, more um, connected to God, growing in Christ, um, and just living that life in Christ. And it's it's easy for distraction uh, to bring that about, and technology mm-hmm. enables that certainly. Yeah, it's what I, 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 you were saying with that quote. That idea of it tells you what you want to do. It's it's so interesting when you think about that and you can see it playing out. It creates all, almost like a herd type mentality of of 
of everything uh, or or everyone is engaged with this thing so you should be and not only just should be you should want to be right it's, yeah well i mean i think if like people have parents like how many kids are already saying well i, I want a phone why because they have a phone yeah um so there's the peer, there's a peer pressure part to it but there's also the algorithms are being designed to such a point that they start to feel like they know us better than we know ourselves right mm-hmm. so the idea of we're we're consuming what's being recommended for us. We're not consuming what we choose, yeah. Uh, per se, we think we're choosing it, but it's really being driven. Amazon says, "Oh, you want this? You like that? Do this." Netflix, all these things are driving things at us, and so uh, there's that element as well. Anybody watching this on YouTube is seeing on the le- on the right hand side of their screen a bunch of videos that. YouTube thinks they'll want to see next. Right. You know, this is just built into our technological experience. And I like what the quote said about um, this creates a current, and we can either unconsciously be carried along by this current, uh, where we we no longer apply our will to the direction of our life and our technological interactions, but we just sort of, um, uh, well, like I said, becoming unconscious, we end up being taken somewhere that we may not want to go. Right. And it's just, we just become passive, and in right. passive, we're just carried along. Mm-hmm. So uh, in his book, uh, Tony Ranke, he talks a little bit about the theology of technology. I thought it was interesting, so I thought we should, we should kind of go through this. Uh, the, the first point he makes is that technology mo- modifies creation, that technology mm-hmm. is a reordering of the raw materials uh, for our purposes. Right. So you think about the garden, um, you know, uh, that... God's like you're going. You're going to have to get your food from the earth. You're going to have to raise animals, and so you know that's predicated on this idea that we will have tools. We'll start with stone tools. We'll move to copper tools, iron tools, and all the way on now to digital tools. Yeah, uh, that help us uh, in creation, and it also technology pushes back the results of the fall. In other words, it doesn't. You know, we're not talking about salvation and and dealing with the effects of sin. But we are curses. talking right the curses we're talking yeah. about dealing with sickness and weeds and pests and nakedness and physical pain and the need for shelter and illness and, and death yeah and all those sorts of things that technology helps us to to do right. and it also establishes our human power um so this now is where you can see sin becoming an issue because now you have a technology uh, that takes our our sinful brokenness and begins to uh, turn it into things like weapons, and you know I don't think anyone can <laughs> argue with like you know the ability to do, have machine guns and atomic bombs and all these sorts of things that are predicated on technology that establishes this human power, but it's a human power to do what to destroy mm-hmm. and also power over things like uh, the earth and the landscape. I mean the the earth moving tools that we have that can literally reshape at least a portion of the face of the earth. Like humans have created technology that allow them to manipulate nature in, sure, in significant sure. ways. Any, not always like for atomic good. bombs. Yeah. Well, even, oh, even yeah, that's the, a quick way to well, even flatten you, the ground. You start to think now about the genetic editing we were able to do yeah. through technology. Yeah. So, you know, again, technology is neither good nor bad. It, it, it's, 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 it's a useful thing, uh, but it is up to us to be the stewards of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, t- technology can help change lives for Jesus. Right. So we think, you know, the printing press to podcasts. I mean, mm-hmm. thank goodness for the printing press. You know, it brought the Bible to the world. Yeah. Um, and it, it, you know, gives us the ability to have worship instruments, guitars and, you know, lighting and video screens and heat yeah. and cool and air conditioning and the internet and right. 
uh, cell phones and smartphones and podcasts and all these things that can help us to to bring uh, Jesus to the world. I mean, even just think of, of tools for translation, like yeah. you know, just the way that you can now bring the gospel to unreached places just by having you know a, a phone or an app that ha- has a translation on it. Kind I of mean, that is amazing. I was sitting next to someone in the worship service the other weekend, and this person had Google Translate, and so they would take a picture of the verse Rick was talking about on the screen, and it translated it for them into, so cool. chi- into Chinese. Hmm. Whoa. Um, that's neat. And that's they would crazy. do it the same with the bulletin. They could take a picture of what was on the bulletin and would translate. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, the, the example we talked about yesterday, actually, when I was looking at the analytics for doable discipleship, and we realized that a that a large chunk of the downloads that we get on doable discipleship on the podcast are routed through VPN services in France, and it caused us to realize, like, there that probably means. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about like over a hundred thousand downloads coming through VPNs, and it caused me to recognize, like, a lot of those. You know, people using a VPN service are people who want, who are trying to shield themselves in some way. And it made me think about people who are in oppressed parts of the world who are able to access biblical content because of the use of these technologies. It's interesting that there is really, there really is a a duality to technology. And like you're saying, it can be used for good and for the kingdom um, in powerful ways. Yes. Another thing technology does is it upholds and empowers our bodies. So you think about something as simple as eyeglasses or a hearing aid, all wearing. the way to prosthetic <laughs> limbs, to mm-hmm. organ transplants, and technology has made all that. Uh, Doug, yeah. you're talking about, you know, earth movers and you know those kinds of to be able to shape, um, to shape things for ourselves, uh, clothing, all the way to a spacesuit, you know, to be protected while walking on the moon. <laughs> I mean, so technology yeah. is it, it upholds and empowers the body in pretty amazing ways. Yeah. Technology also gives voice to the human autonomy. So if you think back to Genesis um, and the Tower of Babel, you know, here's this, you know, we can build this, we can do this so high that, you know, um, it's this idea that we as humans, we have this, we've got this, uh, that we can do this without God. Um, so again, two sides to the coin. There are some things that are, that it, technology enables our autonomy in great ways, but also in very negative ways. Right. Um, but we also need to remember that God governs every human technology. Um, think of something like, you may not think of technology as it today, but back then, the cross was a piece of technology. It was an t- instrument of torture that was created by the Romans. Mm-hmm. And here's God using that same technology to set all mankind free. So God basically hacks the cross at Calvary, mm-hmm. uh, um, mm, using, u- using technology in a way uh, to bring you know, salvation to the world. Um, Another point Tony makes is that technology shapes every relationship. That technology shapes the dynamics of our interaction. You think about the technology of communication going from stone carvings to paintings to ink to parchment to the printing press to the radio, TVs, movie, internet, cell phones, Skype, all of this. The The technology of transportation from walking shoes then to wheels and carts and horse-drawn wagons and coaches and boats and steam-powered trains and automobiles and planes and space shuttles. Vespas, scooters, (laughs) Uber. (laughs) A a scooter might be a step back in technology. But, you know, it's a GPS that can guide all this stuff. Um, So it's pretty amazing how all of that impacts our relationships. You can go see people anywhere around the world because we have the technological means to travel there. Um, And it's just crazy to think about the exponential rate of acceleration or the rate of progress. When you think about even just in the last hundred years, how much of 
uh, on this list of what you were just talking about was invented in that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And another thing that um, Tony Reiki brings up too is that technology shapes our theology. Um, and and we talk sometimes of even the analogies we use about God being a carpenter who's a creator, that God is a boat carrying us, that God is the watchmaker, he's the timekeeper. Uh, so we even start to think about God in technological ways. Um, and that that thinking about God in a technological way is shaping and, and forming our theology in certain ways. But it, in the end, this is a spiritual formation and an identity issue. That I think there's a tension um, that if we don't adapt to the latest technological innovation or progression— that we will be pushed aside as obsolete, that we will feel disconnected, that we will feel left out. Um, and that weighs on who we believe that we are, uh, that we start to lose the reality that we are believers, that Christ is in us, um, and that is the truest and most important reality to us. And we start to think about, well, uh, in, my, in my current culture, because I can't do, because I don't understand technology or I don't know how to use that technology, um, or I'm not going to embrace that technology, that it's easy to be pushed off, it's easy to feel left out, um, mm. and, those, and those sorts of things start to impact our identity. I think it's, it's interesting when you think about the time element and how, how rapidly these things come. If you think about, like, you know, many, many, many years ago, any sort of advances were happening slowly, and so it gave people time to think about what that means, I think about all of the ramifications, just, you know, just process and then adapt accordingly. Whereas now things just change so much and it changes and then it's promoted to you in a way to tell you like, you know, you need this, you should, you can't do life without it, that mm-hmm. you just adopt things without even thinking about them. It's the rate of, 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 Adoption of or, or what we were talking about is just so quick that you no longer even have the time to think about what does this mean, how is this impacting my life, my daily life, my choices, all that stuff. It's just, it's just a part of yeah living now. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, and it goes back to that point that Doug was making earlier about that quote from the Christian ethicist about yeah, there's yeah. a stream, there's a flow in this that I think like all of us have our phones sitting out on the table right now. I, I suspect that when we first got phones, we never imagined we would check them as frequently as we do to the point where we're probably checking them unconsciously through all throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think any one of us intentionally said, you know what, I'm going to make it my goal with this phone to look at it 30 times, 40 times, 50 times a day for no other reason just to see, did something pop up? Did, is there, you know, like, but it happened. Yeah. It happened. Um, I mean, they even became our timepieces now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people, like for me, a lot of times when I'm checking my phone, it's because I'm checking the time. So because it's become like an all-encompassing multi-service tool, it makes, it just drives up the number of times that I'm interacting with it because I use it for so, for such a wide variety of things. Right, right. We've consolidated so many functions onto yeah, these exactly. phones that mm-hmm. alarm clock, you know, for many people, it is absolutely the first object they touch in the morning. Yeah. Um, so, and kinda, I think... Yeah, it leads us into the... Yeah, the, the you know, section. kind of the, there's a godlikeness that I think, uh, a temptation that comes out of our phones. Um, and I think this, this is kind of why phones, um, create such a 
powerful draw to distract us because yeah. because of this. There there is a temptation that our phones can make us feel so omnipotent. Um, that the amount of power we have in our phones to command the world is pretty astounding. Yeah. Um, from your phone, think of all the things you can do. You can order food. You can order a car. Entertainment. You can buy anything. You can make travel arrangements. You can, you can turn mean, the lights on or off in your house. Yes. I can check traffic conditions in Tokyo yeah, from weather, here right now. Um, you know? Like, yeah. There's just so much power uh, yeah. and things that you're able to do through apps in your phone. Right. Um, so why wouldn't, you want to, why wouldn't you want to be distracted by it? It yeah. makes you feel pretty powerful, right. you know, which it goes back to the t- earliest temptation of Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it makes you feel omniscient. There's almost nothing you can't know through your phone. You can yeah. find out what's happening. You want to jump into what's currently going on, jump on the Twitter, yeah. Google. You know, All of this stuff is right there on your phone. Um, so there's, you can find out any fact you want. Like this morning, I asked my son, Google, do spiders have ears? Because I don't know if they do. Somehow that... <laughs> Because of Bam, his because out. of his iPad, the uh, that nine year old kid has access to well, well, the well, entire well. knowledge of the world. Nearly is like just okay. Wait, don't yeah, 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 yeah. Don't What's the answer? Hanging. I don't know. We didn't find out. Oh, okay. Well, well, last night I had the same thing. We were we were having dinner with some friends, and and there was one. Of the, I can't remember what the thing was, but it was like, a, oh, what was that thing? What was that thing? What was that thing? Bam! Just like, oh, look it up. Look it up. Grab your phone. Look it up. And bam, you find out what you need to know. Well, what's also interesting too is how many things now with like with uh, Alexa and Siri and these and these other things. Now we're not even going to the phone; we're just speaking it to devices that are sitting on tables and counters. Mm-hmm. And like that thing will tell me anything, you know? Yeah. I. It's it's just uh, it's so interesting. It's unreal. Yeah. Spiders yeah. don't have ears. Well, good, Jason. Way to use. But your they f- do detect vibrations in their through webs. the hairs. And through, well, the hairs. through the hairs yeah. on their legs. Way mm-hmm. to prove. A great example of being distracted, literally in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> on a podcast, <laughs> I wanted on to know. You uh, did raise a compelling question. So the though. temptation of omnipresence that the phone makes you able to be anywhere. You can yeah. call or text anyone in the world. You can Skype and Skype and FaceTime. You can inject yourself into any story through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I mean, you can put yourself there. You can street view. Yeah. Just about yeah. any major yeah. city, like you could go stand in, you know, in front of the Louvre right now if you wanted to. Right, and so and, and 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 the VR capabilities that are coming even through the phones is just going to make that more possible. Mm-hmm. And there's the other term I like to use, omnicompetent. You're not going to find it in any uh, systematic theology, but it is Unless interesting that uh, that literally you could begin to get to that place with your phone that anything I want to be able to do, there's probably an app for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to organize your life? There's an app for that. You want to track your diet? There's an app for that. Like anything you want to be good at, learn a language. There's an app for that. Yeah. Um, so of course, the temptation to kind of be godlike is present on the phone. So of course, you're going to be attracted to your phone and be distracted by your phone because mm-hmm. it's so powerful and there's yeah. so much there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so that it, it creates this this idea of just of how addicted we can be to distraction. And I think without us really even knowing yeah. um, that some of the research says that we check our smart smartphones up to uh, 81,500 times a year. That's pretty unbelievable. Uh, once every 4.3 minutes, some research says. It's amazing that the devices stand up to that much wear and tear when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> How dirty is your screen if you touch it 81,000 uh, times in a year? Geez. There's other research that says the average person touches their phone about 2,670 times a day, and that's the average. 
So mm. some people are above average, approaching 5,000 touches a day. That's unreal. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Apple says that its users unlock their phones seven or eight times an hour. Man. And you think about like Facebook, Instagram, these things that are on your phones, the average 50, 50 minutes a day, people are on it. Mm. Uh, so what does that result in? Well, the more addicted you become to the phone, the more prone you are to depression, anxiety, the less able you are to focus and concentrate, the less able you are to sleep. And all that's been proven in the research. Mm. Um, so there are consequences to these distractions and not just, well, I'm not paying attention to the thing. There are physical and psychological consequences to these distractions. You've been between living in a, in a world of unreality. You know, you, you live in a world that doesn't really necessarily reflect the real world that we live in, but it's a curated world. It's a world that's being served up to you intelligently in order to gain more of your attention. So you literally step out of reality and into an imaginary world where people only show their best parts. People only, you know, you only see what, um, you know, whatever the app is telling you to see or is laying in front of you. You kind of don't, you kind of lose your grasp on what's real. And it's not even that from a passive perspective it's also changes the way you think about things yeah. and want to uh put yourself out there or show you know like it changes it literally changes the way you think about how you engage yeah. with other people right and and again as we made the point earlier technology is not a bad thing it's a neutral thing yeah right. but it's, it's just a tool it's a tool but these these phone designers, these app designers, they are using brain science to figure out a way to keep you on these things. Mm-hmm. They yeah. want you there. They have a vested so, interest. Right. So you think about your Bible versus all the possibility of being omniscient, omnicompetent, omnipresent, you know, on your phone. It's some, <laughs> they can see why now the Bible's losing out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Tony Reinke in his book, again, um, he, he, he makes some points about why distractions lure us. Why is it so easy to be distracted? What's the allure in it? Hmm. And one of the points he makes is that we use digital distractions to keep work away. <laughs> we like to procrast- procrastinate. You know what's great at helping us doing that? Our phones. Yeah. <laughs> phones are awesome at that. I can do anything else, literally <laughs> yeah. anything else. <laughs> I can binge watch an entire series of anything I want. And just <laughs> avoid my responsibilities. <laughs> yes. I mean, I can Twitter life away just by yeah. looking at Twitter. Um, another point he makes is that we use digital distractions to keep people away. Mm. So here we are, we're called to love our neighbors and yet we turn to our phones and you can see this It's so interesting. Go and look at families eating out together. Look at friends eating out together. They're on their phones and they're literally at a family dinner. Um, like I was making the point earlier, like here we are and our phones are on the table. Um, so it's that at any moment, someone not you or me, may require my attention. And they're probably more important than you. <laughs> so I need to have that phone open so I can be ready just Honest in a, truth. In a moment's yeah. notice. <laughs> we know where we fall. Uh, yeah, for those of you listening, he pointed at me. <laughs> uh, another thing we do is we use digital distractions to keep thoughts of eternity away. Mm-hmm. So now, we're now again, let's, this is even getting closer to our spiritual discipleship. Blaise Pascal, uh, a famous Christian thinker, said that, uh, and this is, you know, written hundreds of years ago, and he's still talking about distraction. He says, take away their diversion, and you will see them dried up with weariness. As soon as we are reduced to thinking of self, we have no diversion. 
So this isn't inherent in just the modern day problem of the phone. It's always been an issue. The phone's just exacerbating it. Mm -hmm. So the phone allows us to escape the silence and solitude that we need. Again, Pascal says, I have discovered that all of happiness of men arises from one single fact. They cannot stay quietly in their own chamber. Mm -hmm. Basically, you can't be in a room and just relax. You got to have your phone. You got to be doing something. That thumb's got to be working, right? Just don't leave me alone with myself. Yeah, you notice that something's off when you are sitting by yourself, but your phone is just scrolling the air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you see, you, you see little... like those videos of kids who like you know pick up a object like a, a book or a magazine and try to swipe it. Like you know <laughs> these little little like you know eighteen yeah. months old who have yeah, already yeah. been conditioned to swipe. Okay, I can I confess that <laughs> I have I have an iPad, and I was on my iPad on my iMac and I started touching the screen. <laughs> no. It's like, like, oh, embarrassing. Oh, wait. <laughs> well, before we move on from the silence and solitude uh, moment here, we should probably point out we've got a couple of good episodes that would be helpful for anybody who wants to, you know, who recognizes that, yeah, for for them, silence is deafening and they need to reintroduce themselves to these practices. We have an episode on silence and solitude and we also have an episode on uh, the, the simple, simple life, life that I think yeah. would be helpful as well. We'll link those in the show notes so you can check those out for follow-up after these episodes. Yeah, and two, uh, we actually have a personal retreat guide that you can mm. actually just download and do on your own called Silence and Solitude. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we should link that too. Yeah, yeah. I, l- I love this quote from a Christian philosopher, Peter Kreft. He said, We think we want peace and silence and freedom and leisure. But deep down, we know that this would be unendurable. To us, we want to complexify our lives. Yeah, I like that word. We want to complexify. We don't have to. We want to. We want to be harried and hassled and busy. Unconsciously, we want the very thing we complain about. For if we had leisure, we would look at ourselves and listen to our hearts and see the great gaping hole in our hearts and be terrified, because that hole is so big that nothing but God can fill it. Mm. But you see all the time people trying to fill that, which is tooling around on their phones, mm. you know? Yeah. Unlocking seven to eight times an hour. Social media researcher uh, Donna Frieda said that, you remember the old saying, I think, therefore I am? She says, this needs to be replaced with, I connect, therefore I am, which leads to, I'm liked, therefore I am. Mm. And you see this, this comes out in the, the all the research now coming out about the um, social media and some of the damaging effects of social media, uh, especially in teens. Mm-hmm. Um, so Barner Research says that 65% of parents think the number one thing that makes parenting more difficult today is technology and social media. Mm. More than the world is dangerous, more than lack of common morality, they say it's technology and social media. Mm. That's pretty pretty interesting. Yeah. So let's let's keep going and think about um, how we define distractions. Um, again, um, this is ideas from um, Tony Renke's book. Um, he just says, a distraction can come in many forms, a new amusement, a persistent worry, or a vain aspiration. It is something that diverts our minds and hearts from what is most significant. Anything which monopolizes the heart's concerns, the heart works best when it is not dominated by cares and demands. It's kind of nice to think about what we've been talking about um, in this conversation and kind of pair it with the heart conversation we just had uh, mm. the, the yeah. past few episodes before this, because um, it really then puts this kind of focus 
on what you are giving your time and attention to, what you're giving your thought life to, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, what are the treasures that you're using technology to gain hold of? Yeah. 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 So there's uh, things like unchecked distractions that blind the soul from God. So the worldly anxieties that we all have, the pursuit of wealth, our self-centered concerns, Mm. these are, are choking off the fruit of the gospel because they cut ourselves off from the hope that we find um, in the infinite and the internal of who God is simply because we're just distracted. We're not spending the time we need to think about these things. And we spend all our time thinking about all these other worldly things. And the phone makes that incredibly possible. It's Mm -hmm. filled with that stuff. Yeah. It taps into multiple senses too. You know, it's not just, it's not a strictly visual experience. It's an auditory experience. There's a, there's a lot, it's easy to be immersed. You know, it's not just like, you know, it's not like reading the paper or something like that, where it's just a single modality and you kind of get bored with that and move on. It's like, as soon as you get bored with one thing on the phone, you can move on to something else on the phone that will stimulate you in a completely different way. And yet you've never left the phone. So it really, like you said earlier, it consolidates so many of your experiences around one single, one single nexus. Yeah. yeah. So another type of distraction is unte- unchecked distractions that close off communion with God. This is, like, think of, like, Martha's issue. Hmm. Um, She's distracted so much to the service to others that she missed the importance of Jesus in her own life. Hmm. Um, So God starts to become um, seemingly distant, and it's really because we're so distracted. God did not move from us. He lives in us. So if we feel like we're distracted, it is or we're not feeling connected to God, it is simply because we are distracting ourselves so much that we're not spending the time... Uh, to be close and commune with God. Mm. I, I, I can totally imagine a conversation where you're talking with God and say, God, like, why have you been so silent? Why haven't, you know, I haven't gotten direct, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't heard from you. And God's like, uh, I've been talking. Uh, you just haven't, <laughs> I've taken the earbuds out of your ear to hear me, you know, like, mm. it's just. Yeah, there's... you haven't put down your phone long enough to pick up the Bible and, yeah. like, see, read my word. Um Another unchecked distraction is that these uh, will will mute the kind of the urgency of God in our lives, that the reality is that we do not have forever on this earth, that our time is actually very short in comparison to eternity. Hmm. Um, And 1 Corinthians 7 actually kind of makes this point in a sense. It says, but let me say this, dear brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short. So from now on, those wives who should focus not only on their marriage, those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or by their joy of their possessions. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them, for this world as we know it will soon pass away. Mm. And it, yeah, go ahead. Well, it just, you know, and then later it says, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Mm. So the question really becomes is, are our phones helping us do this? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, we, we, um, it makes me think of, you know, uh, Proverbs teaches us not to lean on our own understanding, you know, that we should, that we should, we have to come to depend on God. And this, this second unchecked distraction that, that mutes the urgency of God, I think is a, is a prime way that technology gets in the way, especially with, with regard to that omniscience point you were making earlier about, you know, all knowing that, you know, technology gives us a way to access essentially all the knowledge of mankind, you know. And yet, even with all the 
collected wisdom of man, we still don't come close to to accessing the wisdom that God can give and the direction that He can give in our lives. And how, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we we're not we're not just leaning on our own understanding. I'm leaning on yours, and I'm leaning on this blogger's understanding and this YouTuber's understanding. And so I'm 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 sort of pushing God away because I can go and in a in a fleshly way I can go and seek out the information that I need. I can get the answers that I need. And I think people falsely think that they can get even the transcendent answers that they need when in reality um what they actually need is communion with God. They need to get in touch with their creator. And the phone or whatever the technology may be can be a very very powerful blockage, you know. Right. It's like I don't have to I don't have to do this thing where I'm depending on God because I can keep it on my own plate. I can keep it in, within my own control. I can control my own destiny and who I become and what I'll believe and what I'll choose, never having to actually submit to God that he has a will that's apart from my own, and I have to place myself under that authority if I want to live the good life. Right, um, and usually what we're finding on the phone are not things that are saying, this is how you live the good life. In in a in a way that right. Jesus would say is the good life, right. the the life abundant, mm-hmm. um, the John ten ten life. Yeah. It, but it, it's and it's interesting too that, like we say, we're, like we've been saying, is that the technology is neutral, and like for six, six, take for example, like the Bible and the, the great Bible apps, mm-hmm. um, and you and they provide you access, instant access to you know, fifty translations of the Bible. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But then they also give you all these features of like, do you want to share this? Do you want to add it to a picture? Do you want to tweet it? Do you want to Facebook? And then it's like, yeah. you know, I'm in the middle of a quiet time. And next thing I'm like, should I share this? Mean generator. Should I let everyone, <laughs> should I let yeah. everyone in the world know that this verse was meaningful to me in my quiet time? Like that, or that is, I had a quiet time yeah, and look at me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's nothing but distraction. Right. Um, or, or Bible websites. That's like, I love them. But like, if you notice they're surrounded with ads. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> And yeah, those ads are not there for you to ignore. Yeah. So yeah. It's again, literally it's trying to get you to click yeah. out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is the battle. This is yeah. the battle. I hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. We've had a lot of fun uh, talking with Rob, getting a little bit of a picture of the theology of technology and how distractions seep into our lives and the way that we interact with with uh, our our devices. Uh, we're going to continue this conversation. You notice we didn't cover doables because we got a whole second half of the conversation coming next week. We're going to spend almost that entire time talking about doables you can do. Specifically, we got a list of diagnostic questions that are going to help you reflect on your own use of technology and what needs to change uh, personally for you. And then we're going to give you some detox steps to help you put technology back in its rightful place in your life. So please come back next week for episode 116 of Doable Discipleship. We'll give you some great digital distraction doables. We'll see you then. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com doable to check out all our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. 
Send us your thoughts. Send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you.